0: So we did something different. I used no slides, just me, the Bible, and you. It was a standalone sermon on elders and deacons. Today those nominations are due. So if you haven't yet put in a nomination for our leadership for 2022, uh, this would be the day to do it because our board meets at 3 o'clock today. But today we do another standalone sermon. Right, we'll put that slide up. Uh, it, this is the only slide for today. Tithes and offerings. A standalone sermon, and so we're going to walk through a. Uh, we're going to do a walk through the Bible, and we're going to take a look at the topic of giving. We, in a in a church context, often talk about offerings, tithes, and offerings. So I just have ten passages I want to walk through, and then I want to bring on stage a very very special guest and have a small conversation before we wrap it all up. So, we start where the Bible starts this morning when we're talking about giving. We start in the beginning. Humans were created to be givers. And the reason we were created to be givers is because we were created in the image of God. So that's where we start. Genesis 1. So if you have a Bible, you can follow along. I ha- do not have not marked these passages, so I am... I am turning there with you. Um, If you're clicking through your Bible app, you'll beat me. I imagine you'll beat me. Um, Not here, maybe. I I get to the first page pretty quick. Uh, It's the others that might be more difficult. But I want you to experience it real time with me. Genesis 1, we pick up verse 26. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. If we move then to verse 27, we read, So God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. If you're counting, that's three times we see the, the, the phrase created in the image of God or some form of it in these two verses. Three times uh, the, the text is telling us we humans will create in the image of God. And what we know about God is that God gives lavishly. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, living in holy communion forever, out of that abundance of one God, three persons, out of that flows generosity. And in the beginning, after the world is created, he gives. He gives. And humans were created in that image. So if you drop into verse 29, down to verse 29, we read about God giving giving lavishly. Genesis 1, verse 29, And God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, and every tree that has fruit with seed on it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the, the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for you for food. And it was so. I give. I just give abundantly to you. We were created in the image of this God who gives so abundantly in the beginning. Humans were created to be givers. To be generous. Now it didn't take long then for all of this to get messed up. It didn't take long for Adam and Eve to want to be takers. They wanted to be God themselves. And so they're banished from the Garden of Eden. And from that point on, humans begin spiraling downward very quickly. They become takers. They, they're greedy. They're arrogant. They become violent. They, they become protective. They have what we might call a scarcity mindset. Genesis chapter 4, we read that Cain kills Abel. And shortly after that, the descendants of Cain, they they began killing people too. By the time you get to Genesis chapter 6, the world is full of evil, and God sends a universal flood and destroys everyone but just a few, Noah and his family. But even after the flood, Noah messes up pretty significantly, and we're back to a downward spiral. And then in Genesis chapter 11... There's the Tower of Babel where humans try to create a tower to the heavens so that they can be gods themselves. And God comes down and He confuses the tongues of humans. And so now there are different languages and they're spread across the globe. Humans, all about taking. All about hoarding. Greed and arrogance and violence. This is the story. This is our story. This is the human story after Adam and Eve were banished from the Garden of Eden. But then God calls Abram, who we, will, we know of as Abraham. He calls Abram and says, I want you to go to a land, and I'm going to make you a great nation. And through you, I will bless the world. I'm going to just give abundantly to the world through you. And there's this story of Abram, where Abram at one point actually goes and he rescues his nephew Lot. There's this alliance of kings that comes against another alliance of kings, and the bad kings take Lot, Abram's nephew. And Abram gets wind of it, and so he goes and he confronts, he attacks this alliance of bad kings, and he rescues his nephew Lot. And after all that happens, one of those good kings comes and they're having a celebration and Abram comes to this moment and what what the the Bible refers to as the king of Salem comes and it's this moment of celebration and we read what happens in that moment. It's very important. It's one of those stories you probably just glide right over, but there's this important element here that tells us the way, the trajectory of God's people. So it's in Genesis 14, Genesis 14, so here we go, Genesis 14, we pick up verse 18 in the story, Genesis 14, verse 18, then Melchizedek, Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, he was a priest of God most high. And he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, Creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God Most High who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. So you have this moment where one of these kings, Melchizedek, king of Salem, comes to celebrate this victory where Abram played such a role There's a declaration of worship to the God Most High, and Abram gives a tenth of everything. This is a sign of worship. Thanks be to God, gives it to the king of Salem, Melchizedek. Interestingly, just side note, later when we get into the New Testament, Melchizedek is supposedly, this is the Hebrew writer says, that Melchizedek is the line, the priestly line from which Jesus comes from. There's a lot behind all of that. But what we see here is that Abram is giving to who will be, who will be, who at that point is the uh, is the head of the line of Jesus. Abraham gives a tenth of everything. Abraham gives a tenth of everything. So what we see right here in this moment is part of what God is doing when He's. As he's forming a people, and this is very early on, his name has not even been changed from Abram to Abraham yet. What we see is as God is forming a people through Abram, who will become Abraham, giving is involved, and Abram gives ten a tenth of everything as a sign of worship of thanks be to the God Most High. So fast forward now, God's people go into Egypt. God's people go into Egypt; they're in slavery for hundreds of years, and then God finally hears the cries of His people and says, I'm sending a rescuer. He sends Moses and Aaron. You probably remember the story. And there's, this, there's these many exchanges between Moses and Aaron and Pharaoh. But eventually, God brings His people out of Egypt. And then they go into the wilderness. And along the way, God gives them commands on how to be His people. And there are some of those commands that say something very specific about how they are to treat their possessions. So we go to Leviticus chapter 23. Leviticus 23. Leviticus 23, we'll pick up with verse 9. I'm telling you, I didn't mark it, but man, I just turned to it quick. I bet I beat some of you. Yeah. I feel like I got like the sword drills. Like I really I feel like I just like I got I used to get like a prize. I just, wow. Leviticus 23, verse 9. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, When you enter the land, I'm going to give you, and you reap in its harvest, bring to the priest a sheaf of the first grain of your harvest. The first uh, of, of the of, uh, first grain you harvest. So when you bring in the prophets, you give over part of it to the priest who serve the Lord. You do not think you get to keep everything for yourself because you have to acknowledge it didn't come from you. You didn't produce it. Therefore, you give back and you give it to the priest. Roll over to Leviticus 27. Leviticus 27, we'll pick up with verse 30. Again, instructions on how to be God's people. How to manage, how to interact with your possessions. Verse 30. A tithe everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Verse 32, every tithe of the herd and flock, every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod will be holy to the Lord. God is training His people that a portion of what God has given you must come back to God. And it in, in the time of Israel, it comes back to the priests. And it comes into the tabernacle, eventually into the temple. But the people of God must be the kind of people that understand that what they have didn't come from their own power, and therefore they give, here the instruction is, a tenth of everything they have goes back to God. That's the principle. And this is a, a command that is uh, that, that we see over and over in the Old Testament. And it's something that the people of God continue to train generation after generation. Actually, there's this there's these several chapters in the book of Proverbs where a father is training a son. There's this moment in the son's training from the father. This is much later in Israel's history, where we see the father teaching the son about how to treat possessions. Proverbs chapter three. So we'll head over to Proverbs. You're going to be now centering up in the Bible if you have a physical Bible. Proverbs chapter 3. We'll pick up with verse 9. Here's the father training the son. Verse 9, Proverbs 3. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, your vats will brim over with new wine. Maybe I should make a side note. God has no problem with wealth. Got no problem with rich people. The problem with wealth, the problem with riches, is when it becomes your god. That's the problem. So what does he train the son? The son who is being trained up to lead the nation. Most think this is Solomon tr- teaching his sons. When you come into your wealth, you make sure you give back to God a portion because that will teach you and make sure it is embedded in your life that you didn't do anything to to deserve the riches. These are blessings from God, therefore you give back to God. Don't you be stingy, don't you hoard, you give back. It's a fundamental principle. It goes all the way back to being created in the image of God, where God gives abundantly. We were created to be givers, and Abram, remember, Abram, gives a tenth of everything to the king of Salem. That principle rides all the way through the Scriptures. And so we see in the last book of the Old Testament, God's people are again wayward. There's this long history of God's people doing well and then falling. Well, falling, well, falling, well, falling. Ultimately, all about God's majesty and His grace, having mercy on His people who keep rebelling and rebelling and rebelling. But in the last book of the Old Testament, God is is giving one final prophetic word against His people. And it has a lot to do with how they're treating their possessions. Malachi chapter 3. This is the last book in the Old Testament. So if you find the Gospel of Matthew, you just go back to the, the book right before it. Malachi chapter 3. The prophecy comes through Malachi. God's speaking here. God speaking again through Malachi a word against His people. But you'll see there's a promise embedded here as well. Malachi 3, verse 6. We'll start with verse 6. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees. And you've not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? how, How do you return to God? Will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? That's one thing I never want God to say to me, by the way, is that I have robbed him. But you ask, in verse 8, but you ask, how are we robbing you? God's response, in tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. The people of God once again had rebelled against God, and in this moment, the word of prophecy against them is that they have robbed God. And how so? They have hoarded their possessions, thinking they were all theirs. They did everything to to acquire them. Therefore, all the possessions are theirs. And they never brought anything back to God. They were stingy. They held on. They were a people of a clenched fist. And God says, you've robbed me. And because you've robbed me, because you've not brought in the tithes and offerings, because you've tried to keep it all for yourself, become rich, actually there's now a curse on you. You will become poor. The harder you hold on to your possessions, the poorer you will become if you'll just open your hand and you will give the tithes and offerings, actually, I'll bless you. Actually, as you give more, I will give you even more. Test me. But the people had very little trust. They didn't trust that God would be that way. They wanted to hold on. They wanted to hoard. It's the same thing that was happening all the way back in Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve were all about hoarding, gathering, but God's got a plan, and He says, test me on it. Now, when you run into the New Testament, there's this question of, is, is, is there a tithe now? Like, do we are, are Christians commanded to give 10%? Well, here, Jesus says something about the tithe. But He says it in the context of calling out the hypocrisies of the Pharisees. So just come with me next book over, Matthew chapter 23. We just have a few more passages left, and then I'll bring up our special guest. Matthew 23. Matthew 23, verse 23. Matthew 23, verse 23. Jesus says this, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Oh, you should have given 10%. You should give back to God. But in giving back to God, you shouldn't just give the money over. You shouldn't just give the spices as the requirement that God has for all of His people, and then along the way, oppress everyone else. No, you give a tenth of your money as a sign of your worship to God, and you also do justice helping anyone else that needs help as well. You don't forget either one of them. Do the tithe, and do justice, they're all the same. They're all in the same mold. So that's what Jesus has to say. At least that's one of the clearest places where Jesus speaks. Now as we move into post-resurrection, the post-resurrection people of God, that is, those people that begin to form around Jesus, around the Gospel of Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, when you begin to take a look at those letters and see what does Peter or Paul have to say about the tithe. They don't say much. Actually, we don't ever see them giving the command to keep the 10% tithe. But the principle is embedded in what especially the Apostle Paul has to say about giving. So we don't just like let go of the tithe because it never is referenced in any, uh, any of the Apostles' writings. What we do is we take that and we, we bring it together. systematically we bring that together and understand that the principle of giving is still embedded in the people of God. Just two places I want to show you. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4. One of the smaller letters from the Apostle Paul. So, come on over, Philippians. If you find Galatians, get to Ephesians, and then Ephesians, Philippians. Philippians 4, we're looking at verses 15 and 16. No, I'm in Colossians. No wonder that made no sense. I'm like I know it's 15 and 16, but those are names. That's not the verse. Verses, those aren't the verses. Philippians 4 verses 15 and 16. He's complimenting the Philippians for their giving. He writes this. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia. So when I left you, when I, when I left my time with you, when when I was with you, and then I left. Not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. This was a giving church. The Philippians were a giving people. They were were in the same line all the way back to Abram, who gave a tenth of everything he had to the king of Salem. These Philippians were a generous people. And dare I say they probably gave more than 10%. They probably gave well over 10%. And we just one more passage, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul Paul is talking to the Corinthians because they've committed to give a financial gift, a big financial gift, to believers in the area of Jerusalem, in Judea. Those Christians were suffering. And these Christians in Corinth said, We will give a big gift. And so Paul in 2 Corinthians is challenging them. You stay the course. You said you'd give, make sure you give. And he has this to say. There's both chapters 8 and 9 have a lot to say about giving. But I want to focus in chapter 9, verse 6. We'll read this last passage. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly, that is, throws, throws seed, you get the point of sowing, it's a matter of giving. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity results in thanksgiving to God. He says you be generous. And you be generous generous in abundance. Dare I say again, Paul has in view a lot more than 10%. But it's rooted in the principle all the way back to the beginning that we were created to be givers. So the reason that we're doing a standalone sermon is every year around this time we're going to say something about giving. A challenge to give financially. But I want to, full disclosure, I just want to recognize, I have a vested interest in you, literally you, I'm not now here talking Christians around the world. I'm talking you, East 10th Street Church. I have a vested interest in you giving. Because what you will find on the budget in December, when we vote on it as members, is that I get a large portion of the money you give. And my family does too. So, full disclosure, what I don't want to do is use the God card to guilt you into giving. But just know, there is a conflict of interest here. I'm the one with the Bible. I'm the one that gets to throw the God card, and I happen to benefit from your generosity. But hopefully the goal here, I hope you see, is that, that my position, the reason I can do as much as I can is because I don't have to go work 40 hours somewhere else and then do this. So my salary helps support us to do everything we're able to do. That's the point of having a preacher dedicated to teaching and preaching. And being able to be in the community to bless others and to be there for you. So that's, that's the goal here. But I say that as my disclaimer. Because man, it rubs me the wrong way when preachers do things like I'm doing. Without any acknowledgement that all that God talk is really benefiting them. And all of their vacations and nice cars and nice clothes. As you can see, I don't always wear nice clothes or have nice cars. But you get the point. I have a vested interest. But I want you to know that at the heart of all of this is a command from God on how we follow Jesus. And so if it's not giving here, you give somewhere. That's the call. So with about five to seven minutes left, and we aren't going to be as long as we've been in the past, I want to bring Tess up. And I want to, my wife, I think all of you know that. um, And and I want want you to hear some of our story, just briefly. Um, We did this two years ago. We won't do it at that length. But I want to share with you some of our stories. So Tess, come up, and uh, we'll share a little bit about our story with giving and tithing. If anyone is clocking me on that five to seven minute um, claim, you're probably going to be disappointed. But I liked the idea um, when I said Okay. So a reason I wanted Tess to come up was basically share some of our story with uh, our relationship with tithe, the tithe and with offerings, because we have a bit of a... We, our story is not just, you know, become Christians, give forever and ever. Um, we, we, it's a little bit, a little bit bumpier than that. So, take us to Gap Creek. We were giving. So we started marriage. You got to put the mic near your mouth. There you go.
1: wrong Then we're not, like, we'll have some money in case something happens and God doesn't want us to be impoverished or dependent on others. As you can see, it's a very slippery slope for, um, for justifying why you wouldn't give your tax money to church or to some religious organization that is doing good.
0: I'm taking lots of student loans. It's all about me, all about my education um, and, true, true, okay, touche, touche. I wish we weren't live streaming this because then I, we could deny that ever happened. (laughs) Okay, all right, go on, yeah, all right, okay, all right. I'm just listening. Okay. Um, So, like, I
1: think part of it. So when we moved to Indiana and we were in full full time ministry at that point, um, I didn't have a job because of various reasons. So that's another story for another day too. But part of the giving campaign that the church that we were serving at was going through was that everybody on staff did have to tithe, And so then it became. Little yellow legal pad, and it never equaled out, um, and so we started tithing because that's what we needed to do. And then about that time, um, all of Jason's student loans came in, and the payment back for the student loan was twice what we were making monthly. Like, not what, like not even including expenses. <laughs> <laughs> rubber meets the road of, like, well, how are we going to do this? Um, But we were both very convicted in the tithing piece of it that this is what God had called us to do. This is the example that we're supposed to set. If we don't
0: I insert yeah, yeah.
1: okay, sorry, I okay, I like to say okay. But, but I think one of the
0: things that, a part of our journey was it, it, when we came to this point of tithing, it was like, okay, well, we have to, like, we were being compelled to tithe. Um, was we had this like moment where we were like, okay, so we didn't tithe for years, and we are in a bunch of credit card debt, a bunch of student loan debt, we're in an apartment, and we have to use credit cards to. You know, put food on the table. Okay, well, that didn't work out very well. Like that whole plan of keep back the tithe so we have more money. Well, that didn't work. And it was was one of these almost Malachi 3 moments like, okay, well, we'll test you, Lord. All right. Like, well, we have to do this. And you know what? Probably not a bad idea to see what happens when we actually obey God in this. So, I mean, it was also a realization that, well, doing it our own way (laughs) didn't seem to work either.
1: You got people like randomly drop checks in the mail to you and all that. But it wasn't like that. It was our clothes lasted longer or my children didn't grow <laughs> um, They were. one of our children or I go and spend money on whatever it is that I want to spend money on, um, or I don't keep it clean, then it's going to break in the mouth.
0: Ethan, can you bring up the ledger and the, uh, up here on the front, bring those two things up. So, we'll end with this. I just want you to, like, know for us, like, this whole giving thing is not just something that it's a call to you and then we just get to reap your benefits of giving. No, like, so we, um, I mean, this is Tess's gig. So, Tess, Tess, Tess does the day-to-day st- uh, details of our money. But uh, she, ha- she has this book that, that we put together, she puts together, and I don't know which one is. This looks like the current one. I don't know. It, this one says January 2021. 20, oh, there's a lot of pages. Whatever the case, whatever the case, maybe I can make my point. Wow. Yeah. Um, but but on these uh, on these itemized budgets, because we just okay, how much are we making, and then what are our expenses? At, I mean, literally at the top, pie. I the first it's the first item. It's the one that sometimes hurts the most. It's like, man, I could really use that. And we've had this conversation over and over. Man, it would be nice if we had that and we didn't have to give it away. But we've walked that journey. So we, I mean, we continue to remind ourselves that's not the way to go. I mean, literally, I'm just looking. So this is January 19. Oh, so J- April 19, we had a switch. Tithe. I mean, literally, tithe. And you know what comes next, just to all you are curious? House. Taxes. Food. I feel like that's... That's the way. <laughs> there you go. If you want to know how to give, tithe, house, taxes, food. That's what you have to pay. All right? And then go from there. All right? But, I mean, tithe for us. And then we, we literally, this is how Tess keeps our money. It's really quite, it's very interesting. Um, but it works. We just. It's all on paper. But the first tab is tithe. I mean, this is our tithe. Um, which, let's do this live. I'm just curious.
1: Are we giving our tithe this month? No.
0: No, we haven't. Boo! No, I'm just joking. Really just no, yes, um, but that's what we do. Like that's how this works in our family. And if you think just because I we're, like I'm the preacher and this is the preacher's wife and we're supposed to be holy and this is supposed to be easy and isn't it just like just always joyful to give because I'm the preacher and I never have problems and man, we're just living the life. No, it's hard to write a check for that much money. It's, this is not like just super simple, let's just do it and you, you know unicorns and rainbows, isn't life great? No. The challenge is to always remember what we have is not ours. And some of the best moments for us, I know, is when we've given and it's hurt. And, and there are times where we give above and beyond. When J.C. and Misty, you remember Jason and Misty? These were these missionaries that we helped. I told you their story. We gave above and beyond. And it was this moment where, okay, well, I'm going to sacrifice some things. Tess will sacrifice some things. By the way, I tried to renege on my sacrifice. And Tess said, but didn't you say we had to make sacrifices so we could give extra over here? Yes, darn it, okay. Um, I I just thought we could borrow from somewhere. Um, And it didn't have to hurt. Um, But I'm just like, like, we are not special. We're like you. We're all doing this together. But the challenge is, give, give. All right. Do you have any parting words for this five to seven-minute conversation? I've that all that. I have to I'm okay. I'm very passionate. The test is very calm. It's a good mix. All right. Um, okay. With that said, um, here's your next step this week. We're going to do these commitment cards. We've done them for three years now, at least since I've been here. They're on the table. They're online under the resources tab. If you feel so led, make a commitment to how much you'll give for next year. Um, I see this as uh, discipline, um, and we need accountability. If it wouldn't have been for, for my boss telling me I had to tithe, like our family had to tithe, I don't know that we would have stepped into that realm. But praise God for that accountability. Because now, we do it because it's what God calls us to. Um, and man, we could tell you stories about people we know, very low-income families that started tithing, Uh, Years ago and how God has blessed them doesn't mean they're going to Disneyland every week, but I mean, God has provided in ways they never expected. So the call is give if you're not tithing, start tithing and give and really test God on that. Uh, I think you'll be surprised. And when it hurts, good. It will train you to trust him. Yes, I knew you had something else. Wayne, did you see this? Don? I'd have been out of here. Go ahead, um, I'm, I'm so sorry.
1: So all of our time, the majority of our time, money does go back to East Tenth, but not all of our time money goes to East Tenth. We um, decided to set a certain amount aside um, that we would give to other things that rose up during the month uh, or during the.
0: That's just get to the point where you're giving ten percent, um, and and we as a church family have bills to pay. Obviously, we're one of them, but we do a lot of work around the world. So just know that's part of it. And what I love about our church is we're trans we're transparent. So at any point, if you're like, where did the money go? Can we look in? Can we can we can we look in? Can we look in the books? Absolutely, literally. We'll bring you in and you can look at our books, like every part of it, because we are. This is our We're a family. There's nothing to hide. Um, Show you bank statements. Like, literally, we are in this together. I do not own this information. The elders do not own this information. We are a family. We are transparent. And so we have checks and balances on it. All right. I hear hear little ones. No, no, no. You said, I asked you, but you also said you would. Close in prayer. Yes. Yes. Okay. I didn't spring it on you. Okay. All right. Let's pray
1: together. show us